The Triathlon Hour is brought to you by Pillar Performance. To me, it seems like everyone in triathlon is starting to use Pillar Performance's triple magnesium to improve their sleep. So try it for yourself and use the discount code HTT20 at checkout for 20% off your order. I'm sure everyone knows who you are, Sam, but if you don't, I'm joined by Sam Renouf, who is the CEO of the PTO. And today, Sam is here to both make some special announcements and provide us with some extra details about said special announcements. And we'll do a, a bit of chatting about some other stuff as well while we're here. Sam, the floor is yours, mate. Where would you like to start? Thanks, Jack. Hey, look, it's great to be here. It's been a little while since we spoke and again. We've been busy, haven't we? We have been. Um, why don't we let's head off on what we were excited to announce today in Paris, you know, on the eve of the Olympic test event, the partnership with, with World Triathlon. Can you explain it to me, Sam? Sure. Look, happy to. Um, this has actually been something that's been, been coming for quite some time. Um, and for those who have followed the PTO, you would have seen us sort of signposting where do we think the sport, what do we think the sport needs to grow? And one of the main things that the, the, the long distance sport lacks is a season long narrative. You know, like even with the new events that the PTO has been creating over the last few years, we felt like actually, if you take a step back, we weren't really solving a problem, which is if you're a fan of the sport, you've got to be able to follow it through the year and reach a conclusion, right? And so we created the rankings, this is, you know, going back several years ago to help answer that, right? To be able to show who is, you know, who's better, right? And be able to sort of take stock of all the different events but even as we launched more of our own events we realized that you know having having them as individual opens although great and it's nice to have sort of a moment in the sunshine for this for the sport for the professionals i mean for the sport to grow the fan base you need to be able to have what so many other sports have which is a proper narrative that goes all the way through the year where you as a fan or as a newbie or a diehard can watch and see how the sport develops or how, how the athletes develop and, and the battles and all those things that take place. So we've been talking about a seasonal narrative since you know, six, nine months. We're working hard in the background to do it. And today we were excited to be able to announce that in partnership with World Triathlon, they are recognizing the PTO Tour as the official long distance world championship series. So with this, Sam, does the partnership with World Triathlon change anything in regards to the direction of the PTO or what the PTO want to do, or are they just there so that basically you can make it official so you can have a, a world champion at the end of it so that you can have anti-doping and so that you can run the events next to um, like some big age group races to get big crowds there. So lots of different things. And yeah, you, you answered it very well then of the, uh, of what we're thinking about. It was important for the PTO when we launched um, not to be perceived as a breakaway organization that's trying to sort of like change the sport entirely. Like we look at the sport and say there are many things that are broken, but they don't need to be fragmented further. So in partnering with World Triathlon, there, there are a couple of different things that sort of benefits both from an age group perspective and a professional. Um, the first of those is exactly as you, as you said it, is to be able to crown a world champion. And actually we had that feedback earlier this year from the athletes themselves. So 
our new chairman, Chris Commode, um, who was at the ATP, met with a bunch of different athletes, you know, Gustav, Christian, Jan, Lucy, Ash, um, lots of different athletes earlier in the year. And actually, one of the consistent pieces of feedback that, that the pros shared is the, the importance of being able to say that they're a world champion. Um, and that's not necessarily relevant to sort of the triathlon base, because, you know, every triathlete's heard of Jan Fredeno and and hopefully most have heard of Ash Gentle now that she's, you know, the, the, the number one from our rankings. Um, but if you're walking down the street and you say who you are, being able to say you're the PTO ranked athlete or being able to say I'm a world champion, right, it's obvious the difference. Right? And so that's why quite a few months ago now we went to World Triathlon. Um, and I should add the context, not that maybe people care about this level of detail. As the International Federation, World Triathlon have the ability to sort of sanction and grant the title of World Championships to people. You can't just make it up and say we're the World Championships, which is why when we had the PTO Championships back in 2020, we didn't call it the PTO World Championships. We called it the PTO Championships. Now, that's maybe nuanced and, and more detailed than people care about, but um, it's one of the uh, rights of an international federation is that they get to see, say who a world champion is or isn't. And so will it be the PTO World Championship Series now? or And will you be the PTO World Champion? Or because of World Triathlon's involvement in that, will they be in the title? They'll be included in the title. We're going to announce the branding and some of the details in a couple of months' time uh, in October when we um, talk through the locations and, and where the events take place. The detail that's sort of important to think about from a fan base and from a professional base is that this will be just like Formula One. And what I mean by that is that it's a season-long championship. It's not a single event that will crown someone. It's a points-based competition that will go all the way through the year. And at the end of the year, the person with the most points becomes the world champion. And that's exactly what happens in Formula One, right? Whether it's Monaco, Silverstone, the rest, it's partly about who's going to win at the individual Grand Prix, but it's also the journey that the athletes go through all the, all the way through the year. And there are lots of different reasons why that's valuable. You know, one of the, the criticisms we get, and we listen to everything <laughs> here at the PTO, is that often we overly focus on who's at the first, you know, who's winning, who's first, second, and third in the events. Um, and there might be some amazing battles going on in 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th. Now, by having a season-long narrative, it actually puts a lot more emphasis on what's happening throughout the racing because you might be in ninth or 10th but having the most amazing battle which will get you the points to move further up or further down. And that narrative now is, a, is an easy thing to be able to play out. Um, so... Answer your question. World Triathlon will be involved in the naming. Um, the comparison I would use the, from a sporting perspective is you have Formula One is a private operator owned by Liberty Global that operates the Formula One series. And then FIA is, I think it's Federation International Automobile, is the governing body of uh, motorsport. And technically, Formula One is called the FIA Formula One Championship. And it'll be exactly the same with us, with the PTO. So with your branding um, going forward, you're not going to change from being the PTO. It's still going to be the PTO. It will just be like you said, it might be, I'm hypothesizing here, something like the, the, the WT PTO World Championship Series or something like that. We want to have a nice, strong consumer-facing brand. And so we're doing some work on there. That's my sort of like <laughs> a slight lead that we're working on something in the background. Um, but the PTO isn't going away. So like we are the... The professional triathletes organization with the body of the professional athletes so that's not going anywhere what the actual event series is going to be called um i guess i'm signposting so some changes that will be coming out in october when we announce exciting and you mentioned that you're, 
<laughs> wow. We sort of this, this you you love this. You love giving a 50% announcement like hey, we're going to give you a little bit but not close to all of it. <laughs> um, so you sort of hinted that uh, there's going to be some more locations. Can you give us the number of locations that will be in 2024? And can you give us a hint as to where they might be? Um, I can hint in the one, but I'm going to do exactly what you just said. I'm going to do a 50% answer, right? So what we've announced today is that in working with World Triathlon, there will be a World Championship Series that will crown both the World Championship and up to five continental champions. And that's the other benefit of, of this structure with World Triathlon is we will not only have the World Championship. So if you're if Ash Gentle or Gustav wins and they become the the, the world world champion, they also have now the potential to be the Asian champion, the European champion, the American champion, the African champion, or the Oceania champion. Now, my fifty percent answer is I've just said there's six events, right? <laughs> but um, where those exact locations are going to be, we're not quite ready to share yet, partly because we're finalizing some negotiations and partly because we want to make a really big splash of this when we're ready in a couple of months time but basically what you're saying minimum six events next year potential for more or are we just going to sit at six i think that's a good answer yeah potential for more potential for more and then from there how how like far ahead have you sort of projected do you have plans for 2025 2026 do you have plans for more events yeah, look, people don't often answer that, so I'm really glad you did. Um, everything we're doing now, it's very long-term. So all of the locations that we will announce uh, in October are three- or five-year contracts. Um, so it was a very important part of what us resetting is that we don't want to be seen as this sort of flash-in-the-pan thing that's come along. This has been 18 months in the making, really since our, our new chairman joined in, in August of last year. Um, and the intention is with all of the locations, these are long-term contracts, um, and the, the benefit of that is really two things. One, it's for the athletes to be able to plan their calendar and really you know, decide where they're going to focus, what are their A races going to be, what are their B races going to be. And then perhaps more importantly in the, in the long term, um, the reason why we don't want to move around too much is that we really think that these events can become part of the community. Um, you know, Events are inherently local, even if you have people traveling from around the world. And if we use the example of, say, Wimbledon in the UK or the, or the Australian Open in where, where you're from, um, it's just it's part of the cultural calendar, right? Every January in Melbourne. Um, now, I'm not saying that overnight we're going to be able to do the same thing with triathlon, but that's very much our ambition. So if we're in venue X in July, we want to be there in July every year, and we want that local community to know that July is triathlon month and that the world's greatest triathletes are going to be flying in, that there's going to be mass participation, there's going to be a festival, and it takes place in July of every year. Um, that way we really build up. Um, the sport and you know the classic example of this is Roth right like look what it does for the for the local community whether you like triathlon or not you're involved if you live in that area um, and we want to try and achieve that with six seven eight more Roths. So the PTO up until sort of what you're saying now has been I would say close to a hundred percent a professional triathlon organization focusing on creating professional triathlon races the, the examples you use of tennis and F1 and a sport close to triathlon cycling, they're key events, the Tour de France. It doesn't have a mass participation race that, that sort of runs alongside it for three weeks. Wimbledon, the US Open, Australian Open, French Open at tennis, they don't have a participation event. F1 definitely doesn't have a participation event. But it sounds like you are going down the age group path, sort of maybe a little bit more like how Ironman have done it in the past and not how you guys have done it. So the difference, I would say, it's a really interesting um, question. If, if F1 could 
have a mass participation element, I can almost guarantee they would. And I'd actually say that probably the same thing with, with Tennis Australia. Um, and it, this is a trend that's really developed over the last 10 or 15 years. And that the majority of rights holders, that's, you know, organizers of, of, of professional sports like us, want to find better ways to engage with their community. And the best possible way is to actually have mass participation linked to it. So regardless of whether like triathlon has it or not, you could probably get any of those rights holders on and say, how do you want to engage more with your fan base? And they'll say, we want to drive participation. Formula One, as an example, have just launched this amazing thing called Formula One Arcade, where, as you might know, if you're a fan, you can go to various locations around the world and sit in like a, a simulation track and race each other. Um, now, if they could do that at scale at Silverstone, uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll see this in the near future. Now, that, that all said, um, we are the PTO with a professional organization. Our biggest priority is promoting the professional side of the sport. However, one of the things that's so special about triathlon is the fact that of almost any age, you can race and compare yourself on a similar or identical course, right? It's one of the things that makes triathlon so special. And we didn't want to A, ignore that. In fact, it's slightly the opposite right there. We haven't touched on it yet, but your question leads us there. The other part of this announcement with with World Triathlon is that we are including age group championships in each of these major events we're, um, we're going to announce in October. So there is now an opportunity in addition to representing your country, you know, being part of Team Australia and going doing the World Duathlon Championships or, or going to Kona, there's now the opportunity as Team Australia to come and race in, in PTO events, which we think will be a really uh, exciting way to ultimately unite the community and bring together the best age groupers with the local um, market from where the events take place and the greatest professionals. Right? So it's sort of tying it all together with a, a multi-sport festival. So just to sort of summarize the age group component of this and simplify it, yep. at, at every PTO race, there will be an age group race the same weekend. At every PTO race, there will be an age group race. And in fact, uh, it's a slightly nuanced answer, but there are going to be two. There's going to be an open race for just general people who want to get involved in triathlon. And we should use Singapore as our example. So let's talk about what we've got coming up. And then in most of the events, the ones that have a championship status, there will also be the ability to represent your country. And so let's say a hypothetical, I'm going to do a hypothetical one. If we had a triathlon in London, that would mean that we would have an open race. So we would have professional racing. We would have open racing for just people that are taking up the sport and you're just like a normal triathlon. And then we will have a dedicated championship age group race where uh, you would have to qualify by being, you know, I'm British, as you know, um, I'd have to sign up through um, British Triathlon, qualify and go there, just like if I was wanting to race at the World Triathlon Championship Series. And with that, will it cost sort of similar to what an Ironman race might cost uh, as an age grouper? Um, look, it's going to depend across the board. In general, we've been quite open about this. We think that whether it's Ironman or Challenge or anybody else, um, age group entries have got too high. Uh, and we don't think it's a sustainable model. Many races are not settling out anymore. And we think there's a, there are many reasons for it, but one of them is cost, especially in this sort of macro environment with, uh, with inflation. And so we're going out of our way to keep prices down. Um, I think we averaged under $300 this year for all of our middle distance racing. So that's anywhere between 15 to 40% lower than markets. And that's absolutely our intention moving forward. Like the the business model of the PTO is not built on the back of age groupers. Age groupers are a really important part of the ecosystem, but, and one would say they're one of the most important parts. And we saw that with the US Open, right? The success of that, of how much better it looked to have 
close to 20,000 people out on the streets. And look at the vast majority of those people came because there was a huge age group race alongside it. But long answer to your question, Jack, no, we're going to keep prices down. And so no part of this decision was just like, hey, our model at the moment is not sustainable. We're going to go broke. We need to have age group racing so that we can make money. It's not about that really? No, not on the slightest. Look, we've, we've said since the beginning that we would always add age group racing. We've just done it in stages. And one of the reasons for that was we do believe this, and I, and I would stand in front of any organizer in the world and, and argue this point. It is infinitely harder to put on a live broadcast professional event to the level of quality we want to than to put on a mass participation age group race, right? And I'm sure you'd agree. Obviously, you, you saw it from behind the scenes uh, in Milwaukee just a couple of weeks ago. There's a lot of complexity when you're doing live broadcast, especially the level that we're aspiring to do it. Not saying that we've reached it yet, but we're certainly aspiring. You know, like 24 languages that event went out um, in in live. Um, in contrast, putting on the age group races, that's actually relatively easy. And so if you think about sort of like a business challenge of us launching, it was, let's go and crack the hardest nut to crack first, and then we'll add the easier bits later. And that's exactly what we're doing. Um, in some cases, we've partnered to have it. So Ibiza, Milwaukee, existing age group races, um, in Singapore, that is, oh goodness, it's only a week away now. Amazing how time time flies. Um, we have close to 6,000 age groupers ourselves, and we have promoted, marketed, registered, whatever phrase you use, um, all of those athletes ourselves, and we're delivering that race alongside the, the professionals. So it's been an evolution, but this has always been part of the plan uh, since the beginning. And so a big thing that you've said this year, Sam, is that you're sort of cutting costs to save for 2024, 2025, and just watch, big stuff is happening. So obviously a part of that is the the more race locations, at least six race locations, um, the age group component of it. But what else? Like is is that money that you've been saving so that you can increase uh, the, 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 the prize pool? Is it to increase the coverage, like the broadcast coverage quality? Is there something we don't know about that that money's going towards? Uh, yes to all of your <laughs> points there. So um, I'll answer it in a slightly different way. So we decided in November of last year, so November, where are we now? November 22, that we needed to expand the strategy and move to, instead of being the Grand Slams, we needed to move to a season-long tour, which, you know, we've shared this already, so that's not news. Um, obviously, the news today is the fact that we're actually announcing it's linked to World Triathlon and it has the prestige, et cetera, et cetera. So we decided in no November of 22 that, the Grand Slams were good, but and maybe take a step back, given your fan base, because I think everyone will, will really relate to this. Part of our logic was originally when we launched, we said we're going to have the US Open, Canadian Open, European Open, Asian Open. We're going to recreate what golf and tennis have and have four majors plus plus the Collins Cup. And what we realized after you know doing this for two years is that um, that works in tennis and golf when you're the masters or the majors, because you're the top of this amazingly strong pyramid of of professional golf and professional tennis but actually if we're really honest with ourselves that's lacking in triathlon right there outside of a few races that people will go and do outside of roth outside of kona there isn't a strong professional base and so we are with we will be left with a bit of a conundrum we either have four amazing or five amazing professional events that the pto puts on but that's not going to make triathlon mainstream right? we need more and that's why we've adapted the model and moved to this season-long narrative of more events of you know up to ten, as we've said, and that will allow us, you know, with an off-season, pretty much that every month there's something major happening. Which, if you then layer in the existing events that you know the few that are out there, um, that's a proper calendar for people to get behind. Um, 
So in answer to your, your point on, on saving money, we decided to do that in November. Obviously, it was far too short notice to be able to make all those changes to launch the 23 season in that way. And so we made some very calculated and measured decisions on how can we keep the sport moving forward and hopefully improve our events each time, which is, is really important to us. You know, we don't get that many opportunities to to practice this, right, with a live broadcast. And so we wanted to have multiple times when the team could get together, produce an event, see what works, see what doesn't. But what was also saving money because we knew that this year's product wasn't going to be the one we're really investing in. And so Again, without boring everyone with detail, quite a delicate balance we've had to sort of tread with the athletes, with the broadcasters on getting ready for next year. And well, frankly, based on what we saw in Milwaukee, I think it, the plans worked well, and I'm super excited to see what happens next weekend in Singapore. So at the US Open, we were sort of closer to 30 athletes in, in each field. And um, at, the, at the Singapore Open or the Asian Open, we're closer to 20 athletes in each field. With these six to ten races, are you going to cap how many professionals are in in each race, and is there going to be a really sort of stringent set of criteria to how you get into one of these races? Yes, and uh, the simple answer is twenty is our number for both men and women, um, and that's the number that we think works for now. Right, that might evolve over time, and we'll see. Look, should it be twenty five? Should it be fifteen? But um, from the research we've done, and in speaking, and particularly with the broadcasters, and, and you probably relate to this, given now you've, you've had experience in the commentary booth with us. Um, we want the broadcasters to have a product they feel they can get their their teeth into themselves. And what I mean by that is it's really, really hard to tell the stories of 45 or 50 athletes on a screen. Um, the World Triathlon has to do it with a, their shorter distance series because of all the governing bodies in the Olympic model, and you've got to show rankings and the rest. But if you could have a simplified like commercial offering, it would have less people. And, and Formula One's another good example here, right? There's 20, 20 cars on the track. So for 2024... And most likely 25, we're going to go to 20 male and 20 women um, per, per each event. Maybe it changes in the future, but we think that's the right number. If you're someone who trains for triathlon and hasn't got yourself some form goggles yet, then you just need to. Everyone who I coach who trains by themselves a lot in the pool, one of the first things I've always suggested is to buy some form goggles. And I was doing that well before they partnered with the podcast, or I, I even had the podcast for that, uh, for that matter. Not having them is literally, in my opinion, like running or riding without a Garmin or GPS watch or computer. And like, you just never do that. You, people don't do that. And there's reasons why, because if you're taking your training seriously, you shouldn't do that. So start taking your swimming that seriously. And uh, the, the same sort of um, approach that you take to your biking and your running, do that with your swimming. And, and getting some form goggles really helps with that because it, it's just all your data in front of your eyes while you're swimming. It just makes things so much easier. Um, and it makes you race faster. And we all neglect our swimming triathlon. So stop doing that. Use the discount code HTT15 for 15% off your goggles on Form's website. And so with this, I'm not sure how much you're ready to divulge because this isn't really part of it. But I think it is... I think it's like you can't have this announcement without asking these questions because they're such obvious follow-ups, aren't they? How do you guarantee that you get all of the world's best athletes like you want at six to ten races a year, given that if they're going to do – like let's say if, um, right now Christian Blumenfeld is going to do ten PTO races. That means he can't do much else. And the Ironman World Championships are still really prestigious. So are the 70.3 World Championships. So are Roth. How, how is this actually going to work in reality? 
So you've just said why it takes so long to make this thing work, right? It's one of the reasons we couldn't launch it. And when our investors said in November that we decided to do it, could you do it next year? Our answer was no, partly because of the complexity of the calendar, partly of working with the athletes and, and the right model to be able to motivate them all to, to go through and do these races. I mean, I'd almost rode back slightly and say, look at what happened this year. So I think fairly consistently, at least from the very diehard triathlon media, people have said, oh, look, no one's going to turn up in Singapore and and Milwaukee is going to be less and, you know, it's a crowded market, et cetera, et cetera. And I think what we've shown is that actually, no, athletes do care about these races and they care about them for at the moment for two reasons. And we're adding a third, um, the first three, well, actually the moment for three reasons and we're adding a fourth. So the first is, I think all of the athletes have seen is that if you come to a PTO race, you're going to get more media and exposure than anywhere else by a country mile, because that's our business model. And that's what we want to do. Right. So we're going to help promote them, their sponsors and all the rest. Secondly, we're going to compensate them really well, right? With the prize purses, even with the reductions we made this year, you're still getting, you know, $100,000 for 100 kilometers is, is not a bad paycheck for uh, for Jan and Taylor last week. And then thirdly, and this is where it sort of gets more into the psyche of the athletes, the pros know if they come and race a PTO event, they're going to be racing the best athletes in the world. And that creates an incentive for themselves because they want to do that, right? Christian and Jan want to race each other. That's why they came to Milwaukee. Um, and it's why we're going to see who we got next weekend. We've got Ash, Lucy Charles, Andy Howe, Chelsea Sodaro. They're wanting to race each other. Um, now, what we're adding is the prestige of a world championships because it really has to matter, right? And so we think that will create another reason to come along next year. But, you know, look, the proof is in the pudding. I always say this is a startup and we've got to get through our first year. And so hopefully we're having a conversation in maybe mid next year of how it's going and, and is it developing and are we seeing what we see? But I, I can stand by exact, in exact agreement with what you said. If the best athletes don't do this, then it falls down. And so we need to make sure we have racing of the, the very top athletes going head to head all the way through the year. One of the reasons that, you know, we've said six to 10, one of the reasons we're not launching with too many in year one is next year is an Olympic year, right? So that's not an easy year for some of the athletes to cross over. Now there's only a handful of those. But what we would anticipate seeing is post Paris, there's obviously a nice big incentive now for a lot of the, the short course athletes to be maybe stepping up a little bit. And so um, it's going to be a bit of a moving moving uh, object to figure all out, but we're excited to see what happens and it's a great time for the sport. So with six events next year, will all will they all have the same price purse as the three events this year? 100 grand for the win, 50 grand for second, 35 for third, or is that prize um, compensation changing for each race of the six next year? That'll change. Uh, Won't necessarily change for each of the six races, but we're working through with the athlete ball what the right prize money is at the moment, and so not quite ready to share that. I can say it's going to be the best compensated event series in triathlon by a long, long way, but the specifics of third, fourth, fifth versus third, first, excuse me, um, not quite ready to share yet. And so uh, something I'm really interested in about this, if you're going to have 20 athletes at each race, and let's say let's say that in 2024, the PTO World Championship Series is what most athletes want to do, and they, they go, hey, if I could have it my way, I'd go and race each of those six races and be involved in that. How do you pick the 20 and are you going to sign athletes to contract so that you sort of might say to say a Max Newman, hey, Max, um, if you want to be a part of this series next year, we want to have you. You're one of the best in the world, but you must sign a contract with us to say that you are going to be at these events. Yeah. So um, let me think the right way to answer your question. Um, 
simple answer is is yes, but in a slightly more nuanced way than that. So we think it's important that we have consistency all the way through the year. So one of the things, and this will be one of the, the things that we'll work out, essentially what I mean by like, we've got to have this deliver it for a year and see how it goes. Um, the difference with Formula One, right? Or oh, sorry, the comparable between Formula One and triathlon. You do not see Lewis Hamilton and Verstappen one weekend and then totally different drivers from NASCAR the following weekend and then IndyCar drivers the weekend after. And that's how triathlon operates at the moment, right? So um, although I'm super proud of the amazing success of the US Open in Milwaukee and seeing Jan versus Christian, and I'm excited about Singapore next week, I'm not excited that we're not seeing Jan and Christian go at it again because that's what sport needs to see is consistency all the way through the year. Um, that means we've got to evolve our model and athletes need to know that if they're committing and coming through the year that they're compensated accordingly, right? And so we've already been talking with the athletes and the athlete board about travel contracts and making sure that they know that they're well compensated to come to the tour. Um, so there's that part of it. And then secondly, in answer to your question on sort of how do people get in, this is where the rankings are so important. So the vast majority of athletes will be selected based on their ranking. And then just as we do at the moment, we will have wild cards in every event. And wildcards allow for a couple of different things, but, uh, you know, the main ones are like up and coming athletes that are maybe, you know, haven't had the opportunity to have a high ranking early in the year. So didn't automatically qualify. That's the first thing. Secondly, like high ranked athletes that have been injured that are coming back. And then thirdly, like giving opportunity for local athletes occasionally to get a spot. So like if we have an event in Australia, um, and I hope we do have an event in Australia before too long, um, giving a chance that there isn't you know maybe the top athletes uh maybe they haven't made the, the automatic qualification but having a local athlete to have, have a chance to race at the top scale so exactly what happens in tennis right like with emma radicano who like came from not even ranked i believe all the way through from a wild card to win the us Open. those are the kind of things we want to see next year the ranking system makes it tricky though because it's not a perfect system it's pretty good and it sort of gets it right but it's very weighted towards certain regions. So it's much higher to be a high-ranked athlete if you're racing in Europe than it is in Australia, for example. So um, to use an example of that, uh, Steve McKenna, he it's almost impossible for him to do races in Australia and get into the top 20 into the PTO. So is there like a way that you can sort of create a next-tier division so that say instead of having to like grind away in the domestic scene because triathlon you, you can't make much money as a professional until you get to the top and i just see this top 20 thing as being another barrier to get to the top now it does it it definitely opens up if those 20 athletes are away racing the pto races it definitely opens up opportunities to go and win lower lower tiered races because those pros aren't there that that's for sure but it's also I would say it's literally impossible to be a top 20 athlete in the world if you just race in Australia. And obviously the cost of getting to Europe or America is quite quite tricky. So, yeah, will you sort of do an English Premier League style system where um, you do eventually have some sort of second tier races that hold a little bit more weight? And if you're doing well in them, sort of like use the F1 example as well, F1 has F2 and F3. And if you do well in them, that's a very easy way to get into into F1 and probably the only way that drivers really get into F1 anymore. Are you going to set up a system like that so that it does create some fairness so it doesn't favour, you know, Sam Long going and winning these really easy weight races in North America that are actually no harder to win than the races in Australia but carry a lot more points for the ranking system? So the, the, the rankings will evolve. And as you said, it's not perfect. It's better than it was. We have a committee that looks at it and considers things. And we needed a year under our belt with this new system to see how that's working. So that'll evolve. That's probably the, the first point. Secondly, and this isn't unique to triathlon, um, 
any sport in the world, you're going to have to go outside of your, your domestic market if you want to be racing on the world scene, right? So I think whether you're a tennis player or a golfer, if you stay in Australia and just compete in 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 Australia all year, you're not going to be a top PGA Tour athlete. And so that's the same with the PTO. So you're not not unique to anybody else. Um, what we'll we'll see is you know get through a year of the rankings and evolve it and see how this plans out with both qualification, wild cards, and the end results and. I'm fairly confident based on what we've seen so far, we'll have a good pathway system that pros can both aspire to and then achieve um, the world championships. And so will the contracts that you sort of work in with athletes, will they just be rolling 12-month contracts because of how quickly the sport changes and how quickly the best is suddenly not the best and and how quickly someone who was 100 in the world can be five in the world in our sport? So this will is where we'll take a leaf out of other sports that do this well. So um, I don't have all the answers for you today because we're just not ready to share it. But it's sort of comparing less around contracts as much as being a highest ranked member. And you know the the PGA is the classic example of this, where people are aspiring to become what's known as a PGA card carrying member, which means you're getting right to the top and getting qualifications and entries to to all of their top tournaments. Um, and we'll have a similar process, right? Like the we absolutely recognize that there's injury, there's travel, there's so many different demands on these athletes' time, let alone the existing calendar. And that's why this has been a really complicated piece to, to put together. And it's something that will evolve, right? And it's one of the reasons that, candidly, we wanted to work with World Triathlon was that we don't want to fragment the calendar further, right? We want to unite the calendar ultimately so that there is, as a fan or an athlete, a cohesive season long narrative that you can come and immediately know what's going on in the sports. And we just feel like that, that's lacking, but it's certainly going to evolve uh, in time, just as everything else the PTO is doing. And, and hopefully you and everyone who watches would agree that each event's getting a little bit better, right? It's not perfect by any sense of the word, but that'll evolve over time. And, you know, we're trying to essentially catch up a sport um, where, you know, we aspire to be a aspire, excuse me, to be like the Ryder Cup and the PGA. These are organizations that have been going for a hundred years. And so we're trying to catch up as fast as we can because we think triathlon has got a lot more potential than it currently has or shows. The, the broadcast and the coverage, it's not perfect, but I think this is a, like a point that needs to be driven home. It's the best we've ever had in the history of the sport. We've never had better coverage. We've never had better races. We've never had more consistently um, high-quality races that are covered so well. And so, I don't know, they're like people, this thing just happens where like we get obsessed with negative feedback and, and we want to give negative feedback. Like we see 10 things being done well and we go, but what about that one thing that isn't being done well? And I've sort of realised that because I was watching the US Open just thinking like, this is these races are amazing. They're so much more exciting than what I'm seeing at Ironman races, for example. The coverage is insane. Like we're seeing pretty much everything. Sure, we might miss a battle here or there along the run course, but it's just the best coverage we've ever had. So I'm actually sick of talking negative and like I'm not going to – I maybe got in a bad habit of nit, nitpicking negatives, but I've just realized like I should be thankful. Like if I was a triathlon fan 20 years ago, I had zero coverage. Five years ago, as I was – there was almost zero coverage. Like you'd have a, a like a, a, an Ironman race covered here or there and it was crap. So, mate, I think the coverage is fucking awesome and, and by far the best we've ever had. So I'm excited that it's only going to get better and better. Um, that, that aside, that little uh, monologue aside, read <laughs> uh, the races next year, the six races. Like F1, are they all weighted exactly the same or is there any sort of um, – you know, is there going to be a grand final or a, a world championship that is sort of last race of the season that is, is weighted a little bit more heavy than the others? 
So just just before we jump into the specifics, we're not really ready to share all the, the points and how the process works yet, mainly because we need to share it with the athletes first, right, rather than we put it out on the podcast. Um, so that, those all details will come. But look, just to go back to your to your monologue, as you said, and I, and I appreciate it, like things are getting a lot better. Look, sports is one of those things where everyone's an armchair expert, everyone's got passion, everyone's got a view, and there's nothing wrong with that, and we need to encourage it. Um, the important thing that we look at is, as you said, it's getting better and better and better getting close to the level where we think we can take triathlon mainstream, right? It's not there yet, but what, as he pointed out, like 20 years ago was terrible, five years, you maybe saw them now, now it's much better, but this is what the sport needs if it's ever going to go mainstream. And we're super encouraged by both the feedback we're getting from the sports so people like themselves, but then also outside of the sport of our media partners. So like we added another two media partners off the back of Milwaukee. So I think we're now on 32. And that doesn't sound like a big number, but 32 media partners covers 198 territories in the world, including China and our live. Um, so like we're really getting to the point where folks that are outside of our sport are looking at the content we're creating. They're looking at the amazing battles of Jan and Christian and everybody else um, and saying, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll give exposure to this. We'll, we'll put this on our, on our channels. Um, and once we get that flywheel going, then the sport really grows, which is super exciting. And this, again, might be something that you're either not ready to answer or can't answer yet, but how will a race weekend look? Like if you take us, say next year we have, um, and I'm not saying this is a race location, but say we had the PTO Gold Coast, how would that week look? Um, well, PTO Gold Coast would be a cracking place to have an event, right? So I, I'm definitely uh, definitely in agreement there. Let's actually talk about Singapore this weekend, because actually there's one I can guarantee there will be next year is Singapore. And I think by the time this podcast goes out, we will have announced the date for next year. It's going earlier in the season. But if I talk about what's going to happen in, in just a week's time, um, on Thursday, Friday, we've got the pros in town. We're doing a bunch of different activations. The pros are going to schools, um, meeting um, you know aspiring athletes, meeting local clubs, meeting you know the champions of tomorrow. You know, life happens in many sports when you go and see like Novak Djokovic visiting a school and inspiring people to do tennis. So we're doing a bunch of those kind of activations in partnership with the government. On Friday afternoon before the event, we're actually hosting a sports business conference for 70 executives from around Southeast Asia that are all coming to talk about trends in sports, media, and tech with triathlon as a lens over the top. Uh, and the reason for that is, and this happens, by the way, in, in many other sports, so like F1 and things like that, they'll often have business conferences built around the event because they know they're attracting that audience to the city and so um they want to be able to you know put on other things like whether it's commercial sales networking the rest so for us it's sports tech and finance on friday afternoon head into the weekend on the saturday in the morning we've got uh expo and fitness activations in the afternoon pro women's race so 3 15 off the top of my head is when the the pro women's race takes place um and that'll be three until 7 p.m and then at 7.30, we're flagging off uh, what's called the music run. And that'll be nearly 5,000 runners, five kilometers, dance music, festival, finishing with a concert. So it's a it's a hell of a day on Saturday. Um, and so as we watch that pro women's race, there'll be thousands of extra people that are coming down to do the run and experience it. And that'll make the broadcast look amazing, right? So that's the logic of that. If anyone of the purists on the call, uh, on the sort of listening is saying, why are they adding 5K and music? And this is like, this is exactly what other sports do to um, really make the atmosphere pop for the festival. So I've only talked about Saturday. <laughs> now we get into Sunday morning, 5.15 in the morning, I think is when the first of our age group races go off. We've got a mixture of um, experienced amateur athletes racing over 100 kilometers. Then we've got a duathlon. We've got a short distance duathlon. 
that goes all the way through till about 2 p.m., then the pro men, 3 p.m. in the afternoon and finishing it. Um, so that's roughly, and so the distinction, as you to your comment earlier about, you know, age group racing and, and the link, for us, the pros and the age groupers will always be separate because of the complexity of the broadcast. And we need to have, you know, safe racing um, in a way that we can tell the stories as best as possible. And so in almost every case, that means age groupers early in the morning, finish in the afternoons and the pros come on. Occasionally we flip that around because of time zones and things like that, but that's generally going to be a model. I think I can think of sort of two more questions I really want to ask, and then I'll throw to you to see if there's anything I've missed. End of year being crowned the world champion. Is that sort of the equivalent now of, of being the end of season world number one in that it's going to come with a pretty lucrative prize check attached to it and there's like huge incentive to finish as the the world champion and the the vice world champion and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Um, there will definitely be the best incentive you can imagine to be the world champion. That's for sure. Whether it's the status, whether it's the economics, whether it's the media that comes from it, obviously there is no prestige that goes behind this. What would be the point of doing it? So we think, and obviously, you know, this is new, it's a new, new, new title for the sport, but we hope that in a few years time, and this will be the thing that really measures who's the best at the sport. Sorry, I do. I have two more. So I had three. Yeah, so well, yeah, go through. Hundred k distance. Are we married to it long term now, and are we sort of pushing back a two hundred k distance race or a longer longer distance race, or will it become a bit more like F one, where some weekends there's a sprint race, some weekends there's a super sprint race, some weekends it's just the the standard race, and might we see that the Gold Coast is a two hundred k race, and then there's three hundred k races, and then there's a fifty k race, or is it just going to be a hundred k races every race all year round? So I would say we're married to the hundred kilometers in the medium term. And what I mean by that is, and we said this earlier in the year when we wanted to be really open with the athletes to come out and say that we're focused on the 100 kilometers because we think we can make the media product really great. When we have, when we've done it to the point that the media companies are telling us this is awesome, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then we are totally open to exploring other distances. But we feel that if we do lots of different ones, um, we'll get distracted, we won't have a great product, and we won't be able to do ourselves justice, essentially. So it's a medium-term focus on the 100 kilometers, does that mean we are thinking about something longer in the future? Absolutely. Um, shorter, maybe not so much, um, but 100 kilometers is the distance for next year. Collins Cup. Are we finally done with it? Or or because I know we talked earlier in the year and I said, Sam, I hate the Collins Cup. You said, well, it's a, I actually really love the Collins Cup. Where are we sitting on it? Because it sounds like there's no room for the Collins Cup now. So there's a room that the Collins Cup needs to evolve, right? So there are some things that worked well. We could have like at least an hour of conversation on the Collins Cup. So um, <laughs> let me just give you the, the quick answer is that I think it showed some things that worked really well. So the, the team environment, some of those kind of in, uh, dynamics, um, the mixed element of the fact that men and women were racing for the same outcome, I think was, was really important. Um, other parts of it didn't work so well. And so uh, we are working with the athletes that ultimately this is the athlete organization. We've got a working group together on like, this is your race. What do you want to do with it? And so it'll have a role. Um, it's not going away, but it will evolve quite considerably from what you've seen so far, which I guess you'll be happy about. But will it be part of the six races next year? Not sure. Yep. All right. It's the simple answer. Um, we want, it depends on the format, right? So like it, it, we need to determine what the format is for the athletes before we put it into the race series. Um, but it's going to have a future. We're just not exactly sure what that future is just yet. You know, that's part of us evolving this as we go. Do you do you have any plans to make triathlon 
under the PTO banner, not completely an individual sport like F1, where it's sort of more team-based and, you know, you might have two people in each team or something like that? Or is it going to stay like it like it does in cycling? I mean, so like it does in tennis and golf and it's completely individual. So it's, it's a great answer to your question. I'm going to answer with two, two points. On the professional side, this is an individual sport. It's structured that way at the moment. We think we should sort of not add complexity. It's a bit like the multiple distances, right? So like if we launched tomorrow this series and added teams... I think we would lose our sight of like what we were trying to create here, right? Like it's easy to overcomplicate something uh, where you think you're making it better by adding these extra things, but actually you lose sight on on the goal, which is to make an incredible broadcast. So not to say that there isn't a role for teams in the future, but in the short term, no. However, what you just reminded me of, and you did say I could um, ask you um, ask a couple of questions, is actually the multi-sport element of triathlon. So we're kind of doing this in, in Singapore, and we're going to do it at all the other events too, is from an age group perspective, these will be multi-sport festivals. They will be swimming, biking, running, as well as triathlon. And one of the reasons for that is really simple. Is we think that the number one way to grow triathlon is to convince someone who's already swimming, cycling, and running that they're not doing the best sport, but if they added two more, they could be doing the best, right? And so um, that's really important to us as, as we look to this as a strategy, both on how you grow triathlon and how do you make these events as exciting and as atmospheric as possible, um, you add swimming, biking, running into triathlon. And our goal is that we want to get most of these events to 10,000 participants. So massively bigger than what we see in the market at the moment, but that's because of this evolved model. And, you know, you saw it You saw it in person in Milwaukee. There were 7,800 signed up participants. There were nearly 17, 18,000 participants on, uh, sorry, spectators on site. And the atmosphere absolutely rocked. And so that's a very big part of what we're doing. It's not losing, uh, it's not taking focus away from the professional product. If anything, that's enhancing the product and it's a strategy we're going to be working very hard on over the next few months. I agree, Ree, the individual sport thing. I think that's where the Collins Cup's a bit, it doesn't sort of fit because it's like, hey, we're an individual sport and yeah. then, nope, suddenly we have these random teams that mean nothing. Um, I know you don't think they mean nothing, but as an Australian, Team International means nothing. Trust me on that. <laughs> team USA, I wow. sort of get, even Team Europe. Although yeah. maybe now with the break from GB from the 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 what is it the eu maybe maybe not so much anymore but (laughs) yeah um love everything mate i think this is all exciting and like the big thing for me is it's just innovative and it's um always looking to do more and be better and fine-tune the product and you know increase the reach of the product it's all just such awesome stuff like it's what it's just such an exciting time to be a triathlon fan to be a professional triathlete and now honestly even an age group triathlete um i uh i'm having this conversation because i think the pto are the future of the sport i don't even think i I, about a year ago i was of i was strongly in the camp that the pto isn't sustainable and that it won't last and that in five years time we won't be talking about the pto i believed that with my whole heart i wasn't really saying it too much but i 100 percent believed it and now i couldn't be further the other way i i believe with everything i you know that that exists within me that the pto is actually the future of the sport and i'd be worried if i was another another company like iron man or or even challenge to be honest i think i think they really need to innovate hard and they're, they're actually going to be coming from a long way back by the time uh, all this stuff comes out next year and in 2025 so it's exciting time sam um, have I missed anything? Yeah, if I can just interject on that for one, one thing you mentioned there. We actually don't view it as a zero-sum game. And, and that's not me being a politician, like answering, right? The best thing for Challenge and Ironman will be the PTO success. Because we're not doing 200 events a year, right? We're doing six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. 
and they will be heavily media promoted. And as we've said, everything in the last 45 minutes is all about growing the sport. And so I agree with you that they're going to, everyone will need to innovate, um, not because of the PTO, just because that's what the market requires, right? We're competing over people's disposable time and income. Um, but actually, yeah, I mean, I agree overall with your statement. This is an amazing time for triathlon. We are incredibly encouraged by the feedback we've had from the from the market. By the market, I mean the athletes, by age groupers, by broadcasters, and we're doubling down. Uh, it's kind of as simple as that. So I'll leave it on that statement. We're uh, we're excited with this announcement today. Um, it's going to be fantastic working with World Triathlon to really grow the sport. And I think we've all got a f- bright future ahead. I love it, mate. Love the positivity. And I know you've never been someone who views it as competition. You're a you're an and sort of guy, not a not a what is it? Not a not an like a. There's a saying, and not. I don't it's know. not zero sum. Exactly, yeah, it's zero, a growth so. it's a growth opportunity for everybody. So yeah. it's exciting. Although I think as an age group sport, that's true. I'm a li- I would be worried about the other two if I was uh, running the professional side of the sport because I think the best pros are going to want to do PTO races and it's going to be very, very difficult to get them away from doing that going forward. It's exciting though. I- even if you don't think it's competition and I, I know you genuinely don't, don't think that, it is a little bit of competition and a little bit of competition makes everyone work harder and makes everything better. So, yep, exciting. Sam? Yeah, 100%. Thanks, mate. I'll see you in a few days at Singapore. You're going to be there, yeah? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Yep. You'll be there for two days and then you'll be in Germany the next day, in France the next day, in Australia the next day. It's pretty pretty non-stop at the moment, but that's what it takes to launch a, a season tour like this. So super excited. Look, thanks for your time. And um, hey, it's going to be a hell of a year. Thanks, mate.